This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Tomorrow, Finance Minister Inoko Tongana will deliver uh, that national budget speech at 2 p.m., I think. And, of course, it's an important one. It's the last one for the sixth administration, uh, you know, and it's also an important one because it's an election year budget. means that uh, expectations for many will be high and for some expectations are low because elections are not known uh, for years of bold policy statements and bold policy moves. But we're still previewing all of it and joining us this evening uh, just to take a look at the overall budget and maybe expect expectations is Professor Andre Rue. He's economist at the Stellenbosch Business School. Prof, a good evening to you. Thank you for your time. Good evening and good evening to all your listeners. Thank you for joining us this evening, Prof. Anything you really want to hear tomorrow? Well, there's some things I'd love to hear, but I doubt very much we'll hear them. Uh, as you pointed out very nicely in your, in your introduction, <clears throat> this is a very tricky budget for all kinds of reasons. Everything that could be against us is against us, I'm afraid. And I think at the heart of the problem lies the very slow growth in the economy. Because that means that the tax base is hardly growing, which means that uh, there's very little scope for an increased tax revenue simply based on what we could say organic growth. So there's a starting point. Then at the same time, the pressure on the spending side is particularly given, as you said, on the eve of an election, where the ruling party faces the prospect of not getting an outright majority. The pressure is certainly to not uh, slow down on things such as civil servant salaries, things such as the social grant. That would be politically perhaps rather unwise. And yet at the same time, the real issue is that the budget deficit is very big and the government debt is, 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 um, is really very high and such a high level that we need to start restraining that. So it's kind of a pin- pincer effect from all angles, making the wriggle room virtually non-existent. I think it's a very, um, I would say it's, it's a sobering one, but I think we've known for a while, Prof, that things in South Africa aren't uh, necessarily going the way that they should. And I think, uh, you know, tomorrow the the, the, the chickens uh, certainly come home to roost. And I'm also keen then to get your thoughts here on uh, the, the issues uh, that the finance minister has to balance here. You've noted issues of debt, for instance, of, uh, you know, a tax base that's shrinking, that's revenue issues, expenses here, um, the political environment and uh, all of it. Uh, you know, is there a like likelihood uh, that he will be able to strike the balance uh, that we need here. It's a very intricate one. I'm afraid, you know, I'm, I am by nature optimistic and always very positive. I'm finding it difficult this time because of exactly that point. Striking a balance means satisfying some people, but probably making some people very unhappy. And the risk is that no one will walk out of the budget feeling, feeling in a good mood because you can't please all, all the people all the time. You can't do all things to all people. Um, so from a pure economic financial perspective, one would like to see very real uh, strategies aimed at slimming down the budget deficit and uh, stabilizing the government debt. But that would imply spending less than usual or taxing more than usual. Neither of those two are very palatable, given the fact that, as you quite rightly point out, consumers are, as it is, battered and bruised and beleaguered by a whole range of events, uh, not least of which load shedding. The, the international growth environment is not all that great. 
uh, petrol price probably going to go up again in March, uh, the result of crises in the Middle East and in Russia. So there's a whole whole swathe of things which are hurting consumers, and any sensible fiscal decision, I'm afraid, will hurt consumers, and we can't afford that either, because consumers make up 60% or more of the total economy. It's the single biggest actor in the economy. And as pointed out, uh, if we are going to, or they are going to, or not going to really address government spending, and if the tax growth is going to be minimal, then I'm afraid we have to start thinking about increasing certain kinds of tax rates of certain categories. So you started by thinking of personal income tax, but the arguments against that are, are compelling. Yeah. Consumers are already under pressure. You move to corporate tax. The problem there is that our corporate tax rates are fairly high by world standards, and we don't want to deter much-needed foreign investment. Then you have the VAT rate, which is in some ways the, the best option, but it does have a potential downside effect for the poorer members of society. I think we'll obviously see, as we always do, the so-called sum taxes going up. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid to really generate enough money to make up the shortfall. We're going to have to, going to, have to look at a VAT rate increase, possibly, and possibly uh, some kind of income tax, personal income tax increase aimed at the so-called super-rich, maybe some kind of wealth tax mm-hmm. might be the best under circumstances. But really is about finding the least of all evils, the lesser of two evils. Uh, and I don't think many people will come out of this feeling ecstatic. Prof, there's been a very uh, hot debate around that foreign exchange contingency reserve account that sits with the Reserve Bank. It's a non-cash item. It's, uh, you know, recognizing uh, losses within our forex, uh, losses and uh, profits within our forex mm. and uh, the realizing of that to patch, uh, you know, the budget, as most people do mm. uh, sometimes in a tight position. But many people saying it's a dangerous precedent to set. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, this is an interesting one. And I think there are some arguments that, that favor the, the, the possibility. I think the devil's in the detail. They, we seem to be talking about roughly 500 billion rand, which is not peanuts. I think there are technical issues that need to be sorted out regarding Reserve Bank versus Treasury and the conditions of such a, such a facility. Uh, the problem is that, as it is, our foreign exchange reserves aren't all that healthy. And should some unforeseen event occur, they will come under huge pressure and, and become dangerously low. The other concern is that uh, it would probably only be a one-off, kind of an unexpected um, bonus, as it were, because they're only a one-off, and it would, they won't be able to repeat it indefinitely. Uh, thirdly, remember that as much as tre- uh, yeah, Treasury is entitled to these profits, if a loss is incurred, Treasury is liable for those losses. So, you know, in a year's time, it might be just the opposite. We don't want that either. So, I think it's an interesting one. And I would say go for it in the circumstances, but only if it's used to alleviate the pressure on government debt. Uh, hopefully, it will not be used to help finance current spending, for instance help finance civil servant salaries or to help finance um, interest payments and the like. That would be that would be fatal. But I think it might be a bit of a windfall. But the nature of windfalls is exactly that they come unexpectedly and they're not sustainable.
Prophet, that said a few years ago, I think the finance minister would have come out to say that they were committing 900 million rand over the next three years to infrastructure spend. And I think we know that we're just not taking care of our infrastructure the way that we should. But most importantly, Prof, that infrastructure spend now makes reference to things like ESCOM and transit and not bridges and dams and new mm. kinds of infrastructure. And it's very clear that where it comes to infrastructure, we're in survival mode. I'm wondering if there's anything the finance minister could even uh, try to do for us in that regard to ensure that we're not just looking at those two entities, which of course are yes. huge barriers to our growth. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, infrastructure investment is often regarded as being the engine of growth, certainly the engine of future growth. One needs an infrastructure investment to create, to produce growth going down the road. Now, again, coming back to the current dilemma, uh, we've reached a situation where a large chunk of all this massive increase in government debt has been used not to finance investment, but to finance current spending. Let me rephrase that. If this increase in government debt had been incurred to finance all kinds of investment infrastructure, one would be very happy and rejoicing. Uh, as it is, some part of the money borrowed by government is being used to pay interest on previously incurred debt. So your question is very valid and a very important one. And yes, you're quite right. I mean, every year we hear that now we're moving to trillions of rand has been set aside for infrastructure investment. But we don't seem to see the, the proof in the pudding, as it were. Um, but we desperately need that. I think part of the problem is not so much the funds available for investment spending or infrastructure spending, but the ability or inability to actually implement those projects, uh, which is an equally sad indictment. It's one, it's one thing having money. It's another thing not being able to spend the money. Mm. So I think that's part of the problem. Uh, regarding ESCOM and Transnet, etc., it's one of those entities or two of those entities which are so crucial, uh, government can't afford them to go belly up. So if it means further so-called bailouts, I'm afraid it's, it's kind of a, a Hobson's choice. Uh, you have to do it, even though it goes against financial uh, sensibility. Mm. We need ESCOM. We need the lights on. We need decent, proper transport, including at our ports. I mean, we've all read the articles and the reports of... Our food farmers, for instance, having almost record crops, but unable to get the stuff out of the harbors. I mean, that is holding back economic growth, and unnecessarily so. We need to get the basics right, such as, as you say, proper, useful, uh, sustainable infrastructure. Where we had the wiggle room this year, to really allocate a large amount, I'm not so sure. I suspect this year is going to be kind of a budget leaving us in limbo, neither here nor there. Uh, kind of a holding over exercise, given the current circumstances. Hopefully, once elections have come and gone this time next year, we can start looking for a budget which actively and properly and fully and comprehensively sets out a longer-term plan for growth. Well, Prof, I think you've really uh, managed to uh, manage our expectations of what could uh, come out tomorrow. I'd like to thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Go well, Prof. That's Professor Andre Rue, economist at Stellenbosch Business School. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.